A buon mattina tutti. Benvenuti a Kimberly's Italy. Let's have a little Italian class here, shall we? We have one every day. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that all meant good morning, everyone, and welcome to Kimberly's Italy. Mi chiamo. My name is Kimberly Holcomb. E vi presento Tommaso. That means let me introduce you to Tommaso, the newly converted church lover. Only one. <laughs> Only two. Two. You two. haven't even it, been to Siena Duomo yet, but you were converted in I was Bologna. Con- yeah, exactly. Well, certain things, there's certain things, you know, tickle my fancy. And churches are them. Now, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are back with another episode on the city of Siena. However, first I want to address your future trips to Bellitalia. So listen to these statistics from 2022. And just in case you're wondering, Tomasa or anybody else, I believe these statistics because I found them on the Schengen Zone site. And for those of you that don't really understand what the Schengen Zone or area is, simply put, it allows people to travel between 23 European Union countries without going through border control. And anyone (laughs) old enough to remember Going through a border control at every single European country's border. That includes us. You mean the age, yes. Old enough to remember, yes. It was fun at first. You got to add another stamp into your passport. So, on a train, especially in teeny countries like Liechtenstein, you have that Swiss border. They wake you up in the middle of the night. You're entering Liechtenstein on the Swiss border. They come in, they check your passport, et cetera. You kind of go back to sleep and literally felt like 15 minutes later, you're at the Austrian border. So those kind of border controls weren't all that much fun in the end. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, but back to the statistics from the Schengen Zone site. Italy had 62.1 million visitors in 2022. That was third in line behind France that had 89.4 million and Spain with 82.7 million. The big... (laughs) Tomasa's mouth is agape. I I am. (laughs) Just your mouth's hanging open. You had no idea. I had no idea it was that much. 62.1 million to Italy, 89.4 million to France, and 82.7 million to Spain. And what's the huge difference between all that? Italy is so much smaller right, in right, landmass right, right. compared to France and Spain. So it's it's shocking how many people visited all these countries, but especially Italy, which is so much more petite, 62 million people I'm in 2022. Because the last time I read that number, but I'm sure it was a pre-COVID number, but it was like 50 million. And that's well, up this 20%. is from the Schengen Zone I under, visa site. I understand site. it, but I read it last, before we started this podcast, I go. read it. Up tw- up 10 million, 20%. Mm-hmm. So that is why I'm pointing this out. I'm sharing Holy this Holy over tourism, Batman. <laughs> Some listener started that with a review and now Tommaso's taking off on it. That's cute. We used to use that in sailing a lot. Sorry. Holy Batman? Holy whatever Batman. Oh, I see. Okay. 
<laughs> anyway, I'm sharing this information with the sole purpose to suggest that the earlier you can plan your trip, the easier it will be. You'll have more options of places to stay because they'll have availability. You can get the automatic rental car because, you know, Italy has like 25 automatics. That's it. They they go quickly. Uh, Among 60 million visitors. I was just talking. Well, I was just emailing with a client just now before I came up and he said, I got the rental car. Stick shift. That's okay. That's all there is. He waited too long. It's a lot of fun. No offense, Chad. (laughs) <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. And yesterday you got an inquiry. Someone saying, is it too early I was to plan for 2020? to say oh, sorry. that I received an inquiry yesterday. I from didn't this, get the memo on that. Sorry. From this woman who said that she is trying to plan a trip for her entire family for their first time together. Or I should just say for their first time to Italy. And then she said, quote, is it too early to start planning for 2025? No. I was like, music to my ears. <laughs> Alora, let's talk about Siena and the Palio. So the Palio, it is a horse race. Not the horse race that we think of a horse race like the Kentucky Derby, but a mayhem horse race that dates back to the Middle Ages. And it's a series of colorful pageants, much eating, drinking and celebrating in the streets. And most famously, this wild horse race, which is bareback around the Piazza de Campo. And because while I was riding a two-wheel bicycle learning how to ride it, (laughs) you were riding a horse somewhere. Uh, All over Kentucky and Indiana and Illinois. And guess what? For those of you that don't know, bareback horse riding is not easy. Okay? And... My grandfather's uh, logic was, if you can learn to ride a horse bareback first, you'll be great in the saddle. Riding a horse on a saddle is like driving a car blindfolded. So, no, that's a bad analogy. No, it's a bad analogy. (laughs) That's the worst analogy. Riding in a saddle is so easy compared to horseback. But his logic was, you can get the feel of the horse. They can feel you. And it's impossibly hard. But I was just riding bareback on huge horses on my grandfather's farm in his fields. These riders are on horses bareback on an uneven terrain in a confined circle, completely enclosed by screaming Italians, noise, colors, just mayhem. Those horses must be well, there's a certain Amazing. element of other things involved in that. But can I step back for one second? Mm-hmm. I'm happy to chain sails at three in the morning on a dark night in 15-foot season, the Gulf Stream, when it's blowing 30. But I won't sit on a horse, saddle <laughs> or not. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Have you I'm, ever gotten on a horse? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. It was not a great experience. Well, that's a lot of people's you know, experience. You have to get over that fear. But would I ride bareback in Piazza del Campo? No. With all those people? No. These are serious, serious horsemen. All right. Well, anyway, it's held twice yearly, this quote unquote horse race. It is a horse race. I shouldn't say quote unquote. But when you, if you watch the videos on YouTube or something, you're like, wow, I thought it was so different, you know, when you say horse race, we think of Kentucky Derby with the blinders. Well, and that's the gates. another good point. We'll talk about the start right. in, in a little bit. 
but it's held twice yearly in Siena on the 2nd of July and the 16th of August, and it honors the Virgin Mary. And it is one of the few surviving medieval spectacles of this type in Italy, and it endures thanks to the sheer tenacity of Sienese traditionalism. I mean, these people talk about the contrada. Okay, let's explain that. So each neighborhood is called a contrada, with an A. Right. Neighborhoods, in plural in this case, is called contrade. There are 17 contrade in the city of Siena, and each of them have their own palio, which is a banner with their own... um, Colors. Symbol. Hold on. The symbol, primarily their animals, a giraffe, a lion, etc. Mine would be a border collie. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> and each of their palios, their banners, has specific colors. And then the people from each contrada that are designated to walk in the campo and be part of this pageantry, their costumes are the same colors. So this is a very serious competition among 17 different neighborhoods, Contrade, of Siena, and their lifelong goal is to win the Palio race. Well, twice a year, I hope they, once in a while, they all share the glory. But the fact is, you see the videos of, because I've obviously never been there, but people have little scarves. I mean, it's like everyone's got a piece of the color somehow on them. And then they- It's not only the medieval- uniforms costumes. that they wear, costumes, and the flags and the banners, but they've got little flags. It's on almost them. like, come on, think of people that go to the football games in America. They wear the jersey from their team. But in this case, in Siena, everyone is seated in their designated area. So as you look at it visually, there would be the block of deep blue and then the the block of yellow shirts. You know, it's very coordinated and visually happy. But the competition, another matter, is extremely fierce. There are sometimes fist fights between the participants, and the Il Palio jockeys often live in fear from rivals. Rivals have been known to ambush the jockeys and even drug their horses. I don't believe it. So as not to jump the gun. But let me just go back to a few rules. I'm going to put quote-unquote Italian rules here about competition. Can I, <laughs> can I digress for a second? I digressed at the beginning. Okay, so... Please do. We were, when we were in Porto Cervo... Which is Sardinia. Sardinia. Uh, the world championships were there, and I was, I was racing. We had been racing this group of... There was 110 boats there, and we had been racing this 56-foot racing yacht all over through the Caribbean, northeast of the United States, and now in the Mediterranean for the world championships. And we had smoked, smoked all the other boats of our size and even bigger boats because it's a handicap. Because you guys are so good. Well, it, <laughs> we were. But, but we smoked everybody. And this one boat, an English boat, Noonmark. Hello, Noonmark people. Yes, I so, loved you guys. So we were sailing through, up through the, the, the Straits of the Madalena in Sardinia. And you round that and you go around, uh, outside of that and you go through the Straits of Bonifacio where it is smoking. And it's a lot like the- You're saying smoking a lot. Smoking means windy, really windy. And it's a lot of mayhem. It's just like it's just like the ra- horse race in Siena. Good, good analogy. And it's fierce. It's, it's windy. And 
looking behind us, we saw our competition, Noonmark, who we had just beaten all around the world, um, way behind us. Well, because it was smoking that day. Smoking windy. One of the French boats lost a man overboard. And our competition... Meaning he fell overboard, but he did not die. He was found. Yes, he was found. And Noonmark took down their sails and went to... His aid. Assist. When we got in, we thought we'd won the race of 110 boats, which was about a 40, 40 mile race. And it was the first day of the world championships. And we thought, okay, this is good. We're going to win the worlds. And Noonmark came in and asked for time, which they filed for redress. Uh, and they, they could actually go in and ask for time for the because time, they, they, the time they lent assistance. Right. Well, they came out with time and then they did a quick calculation and they figured they couldn't beat Lolita. So that they, the, that's the, the name, name of, of the boat. Tomorrow, boat. Yes. So they went back in and asked for more time and the Italians gave it to them. <laughs> Because and, perhaps they like the English more than you Americans. Well, there was an element of something in all that stuff between one of the guys. But you know that picture that you that I have on my shelf of us on the podium accepting second place in the world championships? I'm dead center in the middle. And <laughs> looking I am a little pissy. I'm looking a little pissy. I was looking right at the cameraman going, because I wanted to win the I world. I was the cameraman. <laughs> no, no, no. That was the official. Okay. That was the official. And anyway... Italians have their own rules in a lot of things. So you just go with it. So they do the same in the palio. I'm still bitter. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Piazza del Campo becomes a racetrack on these festival days. And they bring in dirt. Not dirt. Clay. Clay, yes. I should say. And they pack it around the perimeter of the Piazza del Campo. And they water it down so it doesn't get dusty. And they know how to do this. They do it twice a year, every year for, since. For, for 500 years, <laughs> I guess you'd get it down. What What did they do way back then? I guess. Well, it, it didn't, ha most likely it did not have that brick terracotta flooring. It was more of a. Oh, I see. Do yeah. you know that Campo means the field. I do now. It's it is called Piazza del Campo. It just was the field. Okay. But when this clay is packed down, then the Sienese say, Cetera in Campo. That's the, that's the phrase that says, okay. Well, the direct translation is, there's earth, there's land in the field. But instead, Cetera in Campo, it means the track is ready. So the... Race in July, start. there's all these rules to it, which I find really funny. Which can be broken. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the race in July starts at 7.45 p.m., yet the one in August starts at 7 p.m., which is funny because it's actually lighter well, later. Anyway, this is my favorite part. There's, in August, it's not lighter later. In August, Lighter later. Okay, July 21st. You are correct. Whatever. This is my favorite <laughs> part. Because of my background with horses, and I've been to a lot of horse racing, and just let's envision the one that most people know, the Kentucky Derby. The horses have the blinders on so they can't see peripherally. They are in their own little starting gate. Everything is timed and coordinated, and they're led in there like calmly in complete opposite. There are... Thousands, 30,000 people in Piazza del Campo screaming at the top of their lungs with excitement, yelling for their own contrada. And they're really, really close. They're jammed in there, right? 
And these horses are brought out amongst this noise, amongst the color. They say horses are colorblind, but you can tell tones. I mean, it's a lot going on. And then there's just two simple ropes that delineate the starting line, and it's called a mosse. And so nine of the horses go into the mosse, and the riders are on them bareback, and they're trying to just keep them, you know, aiming in the right direction, but there's nothing separating these horses. So when a horse gets spooked, which is easy, but these horses obviously are used to this type of environment, but horses can get spooked and then they buck and then they go backwards and it can be complete mayhem. But the nine horses are in the mose and then there's the 10th horse and they do this every single time. They drop that back rope, the 10th horse starts galloping, So out of the back of everybody's eyes, the horses and the riders, you can tell that the 10th horse has technically started the race. And they hear it and feel it too. Exactly. And then everybody takes off. So from all the video I watched, that 10th horse never actually got ahead of the other nine. So I wouldn't really want to be the 10th rider that starts the race, but that's what happens. And they take off. They do three passes of this track which takes less than 90 seconds exactly so in the end one rider or horse wins or horse if (laughs) if this isn't this crazy if a rider falls off a that's scary and you know and b it happens a lot it does hopefully it's the riders toward the back because you can get run over by the other horses in this very narrow track right so if a rider falls off the horse and the horse still carries on and wins that horse wins. That Contrado wins. And the poor guy's like covered in clay in the back, broken bones and whatnot. Anyway, it's amazing how fast it is, how much effort they put into it. And in the end, they win that one specific Palio, the banner with the Virgin Mary. Virgin Mary painted on it. But I read, or actually I saw on a YouTube video, an Italian man describing this event. And he said what I thought was amazing. All of these contrada, contrade, plural, put time and effort and money into each race twice a year. They make new costumes, maybe every year, I'm not sure, but they spend time and money to prepare for this. And then one horse, one contrada wins. What do they win? Civic pride. That's it. There's no monetary bragging rights. Isn't that the best? They spend money. They don't make any money, but they are proud. So they won. I'd rather win in August than in July, because in July, you only get to brag bragging rights (laughs) through August. In August, you get to carry through the winter. You win the August one. I bet you either way, they're both proud. Yeah. Anyway, things to keep in mind about this, if you'd like to attend, that Drinks are sold within the piazza, but there are no public toilets. There's no porta potties around there. Right. <laughs> right? And so don't drink. So recommend taking your own water bottles and at least a baseball cap because it is really, really sunny in there. And the other thing, if you're in the middle, because that's where the seats, that's where people sort of go. They get in the, the middle. The middle is free. Right. You're it's standing. Free. And, right. And you, you're jammed in. Right. And you cannot leave it. Yeah. And you can't put 
your bambino on your shoulder so they can see. Your children. They're not really happy with that. No one's into that. Well, actually, they suggest to not bring small children. Yeah, I wouldn't bring small children. It's condensed, it's crowded, and those on the floor. And you know Rick Steves, that awesome man, that the American man that does all the travel shows. He's fantastic. He had a has a YouTube video out there and he said, I'm in the free seats, which I'm really standing. He's down below. You get in and you're locked in for the race. It's not that it's long, but you have to be confined within that ring for hours. Yes, beforehand. So the seats are 200 euro about, but who cares? You know, I think one of the interesting things about that track too is the whole piazza is is sloped on yes. both sides. Now, that's another thing about those horses. Most of the professional racing horses around the world, like I said, it's all very organized, civilized, quiet. At the Kentucky Derby, no one's screaming as those horses are led into the starting block. And it's precision level. It is flat as can be. These horses in Siena are one of a kind. They are used to all kinds of outside influence, uneven tracks. It's pretty amazing. And let's just finish this story about the Palio with the fact that the Duomo of Siena has two entrances, one for the humans and one for horses. In the old days, I'm not sure if they still do it to this date, but they would bring the horses in to the Duomo for a blessing before the palio. Incredibile. See? Wow. Now, back to the Contrada, Contrade, the neighborhoods. They have their own little museums with their collections of, technically those banners are called Drapelioni. And each time that someone wins, that Drapelione is presented in their little museums and Some of them date back to the 16th century. And Siena is full of little treats like this. In This is regarding just the museums dedicated to the Palio. But Siena has amazing museums, including Santa Maria della Scala. Now, this is an amazing museum for a lot of reasons. One, it obviously, being Italy, has a lot of antiquities in it. But it started out as a hospital many, many hundreds of years ago because Siena is on the... Via Francigena. Which is the pilgrimage route to Rome. And started out as a hospital because way back when, rich Sienese provided philanthropy here to take care of the people who were on their pilgrimage oh. in case they got sick. They were very much community-oriented or community and philanthropic. And this museum is... Multiple levels deep. I think seven. Seven. I mean, it's got a lot of, it has a library. It has actually contemporary art too. I saw some pretty funky stuff in there, some figurative stuff. They had a show. You know what? Before you even get into some detail, if if you are interested in museums, you guys just look at the website, Santa Maria della Scala website. It's stunning. It's so beautiful. It sucks you in. You think, I want to see that. First. And we're going to have the link in the show notes. Okay. So just look in the show it notes. It is the most tasteful website, but you see how they display everything. Right. It's a work of art itself. It's a work of art in itself and it's display. And you've got these ancient, ancient levels below with these 
arches and, and barrel vaulted ceilings mm-hmm. made out of brick and these little, little accent lights. I mean, yes. how they hide. It's so well done. It's, it's so well incredible. done. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing this museum has, for all you moms and dads out there, is a children's museum. Bambini. For the bambini. So you can go have lunch and have a bottle of wine and the do bambini they, have something to do. Do they literally like have babysitting? No. That would I be want, a no, but great babysitting. idea. They have activities. So they take oh. the children through the museum and then they sit them on the floor and they have crayons and things. Brilliant. And they try and get them to draw what they saw, to interpret what they saw in some artistic way. So, you know, little Paul could become the next Raphael. Who knows? <laughs> it's truly... Not everyone is into museums, but I think anyone would be a convert in this place because of what you are visually seeing as you walk around experiencing. It's not just about the antiquities. It's everything combined to make an unbelievable experience. And while it doesn't have all the sizzle of the Uffizi, you're also not going to have the crowds of the Uffizi. So you're going to be able to experience something in a little bit more of a, a casual manner. So obviously we like a lot of art, both historical and contemporary. And one of my pleasures in life is to follow artists on Instagram because I'm a watercolor painter, somewhat very amateurish, but some of the people on Instagram now are so good. And I started following a watercolorist named Jeremia Cherry. He's really, really good. And it's fluid. It's really just warm, great use of the medium uh, and, you know, when people are good at watercolor, they're really good. You know, yes, they, they are. It, it, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's like it's it's 1,000 happy mistakes make a great painting. <laughs> oh, and that reminds me, all of you listeners out there who do not follow Kimberly's Italy on Instagram. Oh, for sake. Repeat after me. <laughs> I will follow Kimberly's Italy on Instagram as soon as I can. Okay. So back to this artist. Uh, I really dug his work and connected with him on Facebook. And when I saw what he was having a show just outside of Siena. Now, the show is not for very long, but it's in a spectacular small wall town called Monteri Gioni. It is a beautiful little village. It is amazing. There's one hotel. There's probably one restaurant. And it's the show is running for only seven or eight days. Open from what are the dates? I'll get there. Pumpkin. Okay. It's open from 10 in the morning until 8 at night, and that's from May 22nd through the 29th. And given the intimacy and the beauty of this small wall town, and if you are in Tuscany and near Siena on those dates, you should make a pilgrimage. It would be an awesome to thing to do. The village is stunning, stunning. and his work is fantastic. And it's, it's like two and a half miles outside of Siena. Oh, that far. <laughs> you yeah. could walk. It's a little cab. A little cab. But well, that's I'll, a nice shout out because his work is stunning. I'll put some links in the show notes. Okay. So back to you, Kappa. Okay. In Soma, remember what that means, everybody? In summary, I think Siena is the perfect, perfect place to stay for several days. Like, don't do the day tripping. Because of its close proximity to Florence, Siena played a less relevant role in politics and economics throughout the centuries. And that, I think, most likely kept and preserved its identity. And most visitors, like I just mentioned, are day trippers. They come for the day. So when the tour group leaves on that last bus, if you stay, you get a better feel for this proud city. And I think your main goal 
should be to walk on all those narrow streets of those 17 Contrade, those neighborhoods. You will see their colorful banners, the iron rings in the stone walls where they tethered their horses. All of that you see visually without the crowds and you literally can feel like you're in the 13th century. So basta. What could be better? Right? And we'll be there in October. Don't forget, Tommaso. Exactly. Va bene. There we go. Okay. Grazie mille tutti. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.